I honestly can't think of another career so challenging, so crucial, yet so overlooked and marginalized in our day as motherhood. So this morning, it's my privilege to be able to speak to you, Mom, uh, about your labor of love. Uh, a pastor, uh, a preacher loves days like this because you have a reason to ignore half of the crowd uh, that's here. Uh, usually you have to preach a message, uh, as it were, from a shotgun so that you can hit everyone who's here. But this morning I get to load a rifle and I'm aimed uh, right at moms this morning to hopefully to encourage you uh, and to challenge you. I saw this cartoon this past week. I thought it was apropos for moms. You got that for me, Patrick? And there it isn't. There we go. Motherhood, Inc., Human Resources, one vacation day a year, that's all I get. We call it Mother's Day, but technically you still have to work. (laughs) All the moms can identify with that. Uh, A mom's job is often an exercise in controlling chaos, and there's a lot we can learn from the everyday experiences of a mother. Let me just uh, share a few findings of one mother's family experiment she recorded in a work titled, Things I Have Learned from My Children. Here are some of the observations uh, of this one mother. There's no such thing as childproofing your house. A four-year-old's voice is louder than 200 adults in a crowded restaurant. If you hook a dog leash over a ceiling fan, the motor is not strong enough to rotate a 42-pound boy wearing pull-ups and a Superman cape. It is strong enough, however, to spread paint on all four walls of a 20-by-20 room. When you hear the toilet flush and the words, "Uh uh-oh, it's already too late. Brake fluid mixed with Clorox makes smoke and lots of it. If you use a water bed as a home plate while wearing baseball cleats, it does not leak, it explodes. A king-size water bed holds enough water to fill 2,000 square foot home four inches deep. Maybe a bit of a stretch. Legos will, not, will pass through the digestive tract of a four-year-old. Duplos will not. Always look in the oven before you turn it on. Plastic toys do not like ovens. The fire department has at least a five-minute response time. The spin cycle on the washing machine does not make earthworms dizzy. It will, however, make cats dizzy. Cats throw up twice their body weight when dizzy. So this morning, I, uh, I, I want to encourage you uh, from a story uh, in the Old Testament in the book of 1 Samuel. It's a story you're probably familiar with about a lady named Hannah. And Hannah was barren and could not have kids for a time, and this was a a great burden to her, particularly in her day, because that was how uh, your worth was measured, was your ability to give uh, children to your family. And Hannah's story is so encouraging uh, because of what Hannah does. She seeks the Lord and the challenge, and then when the Lord blesses her, uh, she remembers her commitment to the Lord. So this is where I want to derive a series of thoughts for you this mom that I hope will be uh, an encouragement to you. Uh, I'm privileged to have uh, a mother. No one gets into this life without one. Uh, I've got a good one. Uh, I'm very grateful for my mom. She led me to Christ uh, when I was nine years old. I'm, I'm so thankful for her. got to talk to her this morning. I tried FaceTime with her, but she's extremely hard of hearing. So every time she could, wanted to hear what I was saying, she would move the phone up to her ear, and I couldn't see anything. So it's just like, you know what, never mind technology. Let me just call you on the phone. 
But I got to wish my mom a happy Mother's Day, and I'm grateful for my wife's mom. Uh, she raised uh, uh, my wife, and I uh, will always be grateful to her, and, and of course, grateful for my wife, uh, who has uh, given me the legacy of four wonderful kids. And uh, mom, uh, your role in this life cannot be uh, underestimated, so I hope that you'll be encouraged. The first thought I want to give you uh, is that motherhood is a noble aspiration, but it's an aspiration in our day in particular that is aggravated, aggravated uh, by an assault on its virtue. Being a mom has always been hard, but I think it's especially so in our day. But this goes all the way back to the garden in Genesis where because of sin, uh, motherhood is going to be a very daunting task from the pain of childbirth to just the process of raising a part of your heart that will eventually walk away. Hannah's story in 1 Samuel is, is it's somewhat antithetical because we, we meet Hannah and she doesn't have kids. She's, she's not a mom, but, uh, but it's, it's something for us to learn from because in history, a mom has always been valued because of the role of life giver. In fact, that's a God-given uh, calling that God made Eve uh, the life giver. So when you bring a child into this world, you're perpetuating what God intended to start and it's a, it's a noble aspiration in chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, we see this, um, this uh, duality in Hannah's story, uh, that she's both prized as the wife, but she's also burdened because she's not been able to bear children. Verse 1 says, There was a certain man named Ramathaim Zophim of the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, the son of Jerome, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, and Ephrathite. He had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, she comes first in priority, and the name of the other, Penaniah. Peniah had children, but Hannah had no children. And so even in this text, we see that though she was the, his, his first and treasured wife in a culture, a day and age where multiple wives were normal, uh, she was also given second place because she had not been able to give her husband children. Now it's interesting, the word Hannah means grace. So, so, so though she was given a, a place of pride as uh, the wife of her husband uh, and the object of his love, uh, she was also living in a world that measured, uh, measured her value based on her ability to have children, performance, production. We all live in that same world, and oftentimes we find ourselves measured against stereotypes or what we see on magazine covers. It's extremely difficult for moms to deal with the idea of, of the every mom who is always doing perfectly. Uh, in our country, uh, the feminist movement brought many, uh, righted many wrongs, although there are extremes. And one of the casualties to the feminist movement was in an, in an effort to rightly uh, validate and elevate women. We also kind of maligned the very thing God gave women to do. And so many women today uh, who decide to be moms and stay at home are looked upon uh, as though they're not achieving as much as they could. You should be out in the workplace. Now, many of you are forced to be out in the workplace because of the cost of living in our culture. But I would encourage you this morning that as much as God has called you to be a mom, recognize that this is the most noble investment of your lifetime. God has entrusted to you a precious commodity in, in the lives of your children. They are stewardship like no other. And as you pour into those children, as you pursue that, that noble virtue of being a mom, God will do great things through you. It's like the adage that says, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. That's not where you live, Mom. I know you feel like your work is insignificant or at least overlooked. 
But the truth is, you and I as moms and dads, our lasting legacy will be the lives of our children and, and the kids that we produce to lead in this world. A second thought from the story of, of Hannah is that motherhood is a tough task because it's years in the making, but it tends to be measured in little moments. And no one like moms this morning can recognize how futile and mundane all those moments can be, but those moments add up. And over time, they become a treasure invested in the life of your children. If we can learn anything from the fact that God is long-suffering and patient, is it not that we cannot accurately measure a life in a moment? Our lives exist in an antagonistic economy, what we're worth today, what we can do for the world today, and yet God has invested in the family this, this, this it's not a microwave process, it's, it's a slow cooker process where when you do the little things, just continuing to do the little things like wipe a snotty nose and, and, and kiss a boo-boo and tell a child you love them, that over the course of a lifetime, you are building a life. And if we're not short-sighted about the importance of that life, then we just might do what no, else, no one else can do for our kids, and that is inv- and introduce them to the Lord. Psalm 139 verse 14 says, we are fearfully and wonderfully and intentionally made. The, God, the world wants us to be in its image, but God has created you, Mom, in His image. And so oftentimes, it's just recognizing what God is calling you to do in the moment. And sometimes that means breaking out of the mold of acceptability or breaking with what the culture says you ought to be. And so Deborah in the Old Testament becomes a judge. Esther becomes a queen by taking a risk. Priscilla is a gifted teacher in the New Testament, and Mary becomes the mother of the Son of God. God has given to you, mom, an incredibly important task. But don't lose sight of this. You will be on this task. You'll do this job over the course of a lifetime. Do it well. Give your best to it. One author in a book she titled, The Complete Idiot's Guide to Motherhood, uh, summarizes well the struggle against the myth of a supermom. She writes, Nothing is wrong with you if you're overwhelmed and temporarily disillusioned by motherhood. That's good news for some of you, isn't it? You feel that way? She continues, motherhood is as hard as it is wonderful. Most women don't have it all. They have a lot, but at different times. Motherhood doesn't interfere with or put on hold your individual goals and pursuits. And lastly, she writes, a good mother is a woman who is happy with her own place in life, recognizing that this is God's assignment for you. And that only reinforces what every husband has known for centuries. If mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Number three, motherhood is a daunting discipline intended to drive you to dependence upon God. There's a reason why the task feels overwhelming. It's because God has put you in a crucible that's intended to teach you that you cannot do it on your own. You need him. Chapter 1, verse 10 says of Hannah, she was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. But verse 15 says, but Hannah answered when she was thought to be drunk. She said, no, my Lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have not drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Hannah recognized that in her weakness, in her lack of having, that the right place to turn was to God. And so moms, as motherhood runs its course, you will find yourself often overwhelmed by what it means to train up a child uh, that they might walk with the Lord. 
when it comes to discipline and teaching, there's a host of things in a mom's job description for which you probably weren't trained. There is no owner's manual to being a mom or a dad. But in those moments when you feel overwhelmed, that's the, that's the dummy light on the dashboard of life encouraging you to turn to a God upon whom you can rely. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, we looked at last week. Jesus says, come to me, all you who, are le- who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Psalm 62, verse 8 says, trust in him at all times, O people, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. The task of motherhood is intended to help you relate to God, to draw you near to him. It will grow your faith like no other experience you will have. And we need that kind of connection because he is the only perfect parent. He's the only perfect father. And part of what we do when, as we minister to our kids is that by our example, we point them to a father who will not let them down. Mom, you're going to let your kids down. Dad, you certainly are. The experience of parenthood is intended to help us understand that we are insufficient in and of ourselves. We need God's help. Fourth, motherhood is uniquely individual and specific, yet it has a common highest aim. God made you on purpose. You're not all Martha Stewart's. You're not all the stereotypical mom on television. There are no super moms. There's just moms. God intended you to be what he's blessed you to be, to make the best opportunity of your stewardship as you can out of your experience. Uh, It's about being the person he created you to be. And yet there is a common highest aim for every mother. Chapter 1, verse 11, Hannah prays, uh, she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me, and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, that I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. Verse 26 through 28, And she said, O my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who was standing here in your presence, praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord as long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord. So Hannah prays to God to answer her deepest need. The priest thinks she's been drinking. She says, no, I'm just burdened. And he blesses her and says, may the Lord grant your request. So she goes back home and she does become pregnant and she conceives and gives birth to Samuel. But in her prayer, her vow to the Lord, she had committed that if God would just bless her with a child, she would devote herself uh, and her son to living for the Lord. And so Hannah actually turned her son over to the Lord. And here is the, the common aim for every mom. Your son and daughter were created in the image of God. And they are attended, their highest purpose, your highest purpose, is to give glory to Him. So mom, the best thing that you can do for your kids, despite education, despite experiences, despite clothing, the best thing that you can do for them is to model faith in Jesus Christ and to point the way whereby they might come to know Him. Proverbs says, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they won't depart from it. That's very important that we recognize. It says when they're old, there's oftentimes a period of time in there where we have to trust the Lord. But our job in the beginning is to model for our kids, to expose them to Scripture, to teach them about our faith, so that in due course of time, when the Father knocks upon their heart, they will respond. This is why discipline, moms, is so important. 
Discipline is so important because you and your husband, or if you're, especially if you're a single parent, you are the first example in your child's life of what it means to rightly respond to authority. If you do not do the job, then when the ruler of the universe knocks on their heart, they won't know how to respond to his authority. And chances are pretty good, they'll turn and walk away. But if, in love and discipline, we point our kids to God and we show them what it looks like to rightly respond to authority when God knocks upon the door of their heart, they will be inclined to respond. Number five, motherhood is a labor of love, creating beauty amid brokenness and cultivating a lifetime and an eternity of blessing. The Lord blessed Hannah, and her response is found in chapter 2, verses 2 through 5. This is what she's among what she says. There is none like, holy like the Lord, for there is none besides you. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more, so ver- uh, no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from the mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind on strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who are hungry have ceased to hunger. The barren has borne seven, but the son, but she who has many children is forlorn. So Hannah recognizes that in turning to God, she was blessed with a child, a son, Samuel, and she gave that son to the Lord. Now, what we discover is that there's a payoff for Hannah. She got to see Samuel serving the Lord. Chapter 2, verse 18 through 20 says, Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy clothed with a linen ephod, and his mother used to make for him a little robe and take it to him each year when she went up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. Then Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, May the Lord give you children by this woman for the petition she asked of the Lord. So then they would return to their home. And then we discover in verse 26, that Samuel continued to grow both in stature and in favor with the Lord and also with man. A verse that is very reminiscent of Luke chapter 2, verse 42, that says something similar about Jesus. So Hannah looked to God in dependence upon him. God answered Hannah's prayer, and then she honored her vow of devoting not only herself, but her son Samuel to the Lord. And the result of that is great blessing. You cannot outgive God. Devote yourself. I don't know what your child will be. They could be a butcher, a baker, a candlestick maker. They might serve the Lord in ministry. They might be an architect. They might be a soldier. She might be a doctor. There's no limit to what God might do through your children. But the most important thing you can do is to create in their life beauty out of the chaos that exists in them, which is that they're separated from a God who loves them. And they will only, in many cases, come to know God through your influence, Mom. So point your kids to Jesus and remember that you cannot outgive God. Hannah discovered that. Chapter 2, verse 21 says, Indeed, the Lord visited Hannah, and she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters. And the boy Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. Motherhood, in the final analysis, is the wringing out of a mother's heart and life, a gift of art God wishes to give to the world. You know, we discover about God that God is most often seen when circumstances warrant his involvement. And so in Genesis, when darkness hovers over the face of the earth, the word there means chaos. God enters chaos. He orders it and makes something beautiful. We see in the cruelty of the cross, this chaotic scene where the second person of the Trinity 
the second member of the Godhead, is murdered for our sins, and yet it's there at the cross that God enters chaos, and he orders it and creates something beautiful. Mom, it is a high compliment that early childhood feels like chaos, and you are invited in the midst of your own brokenness to enter that chaos, to order it, and to create beauty. It's a great compliment. There's a lot that you can do outside the home. Many of you have to work outside the home. But in your weariness, never lose sight of this. The the closest you come to replicating the work of God through your own life is in the lives of your children, ordering their world and creating something beautiful. Now, a word uh, for the mothered. The fifth commandment is so important. Honor your mother and father, and it will go well with you all the days of your life. It's the the one of the Ten Commandments that has a promise attached to it. I don't care how old you are. If you're blessed to have your mom and dad, I don't care how bad they were, everybody can start with this. God used your parents to bring you into the world. They gave you the gift of life. If that's all you can praise them for, then do it. The fifth commandment commands you to do so. And the promise is that as we honor our moms and dads today, as we honor our moms, it will go well for us all the days of our life. Proverbs chapter 31, verse 28 says, Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Father, we thank you this morning uh, for our moms. God, we live in a day and an age where your concept of family, of a son leaving his mother and father and cleaving to a wife, a woman, and the two of them becoming one and building a family that replenishes the earth and passes on great opportunity is maligned and rejected. And yet, God, in the family unit, you have designed with great genius how you might have for yourself sons and daughters. God, we recognize this morning our moms, they are life givers, just like Eve. And you've entrusted to them a task that is overwhelming, that's daunting, that in many cases is impossible. And yet with you, all things are possible. So we thank you today for our moms. May the day not pass that if we have the opportunity, we could tell our moms that we love them and that we're thankful for them. None of us are perfect, and yet, God, you are continually working through us, using us for the good of others. Surely, the poster child for that is a mom. So we thank you for them. And we ask all of this in Christ's name. Amen.